Hey everybody, welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, discuss, review, and talk shit about every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm Chris. And we have a very special guest with us today. Patrick was not able to make it due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, One of my oldest and dearest friends, Mike Hilkin, is joining us. Say hi, Mike. Hi. I'm Mike. Michael. It's actually Michael. How do you spell that? You have an unusual spelling for your name. M-Y-C-H-A-L. And if I were to call you Mike, as we probably will in the show notes, how do, how do I spell that? M-Y-K-E. Uh, and I was in like third grade and I was spelling it with an I because I thought even though I, I knew the correct spelling of my name, I thought I was still supposed to put the I in there. And I got really happy when my parents told me just put the Y in because I was like, that looks really cool. I'm different. Huh? I'm different. I'm so different. <laughs> yeah. So we are here this week to discuss uh, the Guillermo del Toro produced remake of the 1973 ABC movie of the week. Don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah. So you you sent in. Well, first, I just want to acknowledge that that Michael here is not the first guest we've had to have a uh, conspicuous Y in their name. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> the Allison. We have several Allisons, and one has a Y, so she's Allison with a Y, and now you can be Mike with a Y. We also call her Q now, for sure. Where's the Y in Allison? This is so irrelevant to anything we're doing here. A-L-L-Y. There it is. Yeah. No, that's... I'm sorry. Q is the other Allison. This gets very confusing. Oh, boy. I can't follow I shouldn't have brought it up. The lore of this show is so dense. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and especially, like, your relationship to horror films. Are you a horror fan? What's your interest? What's your reason to be here? I wouldn't identify myself at all as a horror fan. I have an appreciation for horror movies, and it's a relatively comparatively recent appreciation i used to have an enormous amount of difficulty with anything remotely scary i have a very vivid memory of being and i couldn't have been younger than third grade second grade so like a kid but i was run out of the room crying terrified by the halloween special of say by the bell <laughs> and somebody got murdered somebody there was death there wasn't gore because it was the Saved by the Bell Hall, but someone died, and I was just intrinsically horrified at the thought of someone dying, which seems reasonable, honestly. But it, Saved by the Bell seems like a pretty safe space. I thought say, the whole point of being Saved by the Bell was you don't die. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point. Yes, I thought I was safe, and I wasn't safe. This might have been the the bell tolls for you this, i said this was a vivid memory but i'm realizing now that might have been the halloween special for boy meets world whatever either of those things it was not a place i was expecting i wasn't expecting the show to have a body count um but there was a night i i was 12 11 um and i was staying up late at my grandma's house late was like 9 30 and everyone had gone to bed and i was jacking uh, off no, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Hang on. <laughs> I was pretty sure that I would not have, I would have had a very different reaction to this movie if I had already hit puberty. So I don't think that had happened yet. Okay. And, and okay. the movie was... Just making sure. No, it's, it's all right. I'm glad you brought it up. It's, it's plot relevant. Uh, and I, it was Turner Classic Movies when I was just hanging out. And then I heard from the TV say, coming up next, The Legend of Hell House. And I thought, oh, that is 
probably a horror movie uh, based on the title, and I reached to turn the remote. Could be a historical drama, though. It could have been, um, and, but I was just to play it safe. I reached for the remote to turn it off, and as I did, though, I felt this sudden, instant, not there at all three seconds ago, fury that I had lived so long being terrified of televisions, and it was just this instant flip of a switch moment i said all right all right you little shit you listen to me i didn't say that i was thinking and it's like you're you're gonna watch this movie i don't want to but i did you just smashed the constraints of your I psyche did. and i will tell you it 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 did scare me and i felt horror movie fear i've seen it many many times in the years since then and it's has not ever scared me the way it did before. It's not a particularly scary movie. I love it now for other reasons. But I also will say that I came away from it, like, I understood first and foremost, oh, that's what people say, what people mean when they say that they love horror movies. Hmm. Like, that's how, this is how it feels to enjoy a horror movie. This is how it feels to be scared, but not just try to shut the fear down. Which was a radical concept to me, considering the history that I'd had with the genre. The other interesting thing is that it made me appreciate sound design and set design in a way that I never had before, just across the board. Not just in horror movies, but in movies. And it did very slightly, permanently, uh, begin a shift in me that would lead to me taking a much greater interest in, you know film theory in regards to well the basics but i hadn't really thought about that at the time i was like oh this you know because it's got a great delia derbyshire um original score and the sound design is such that a lot of the scores and also like the diegetic music it always just sounds like the house is breathing and there's Mm -hmm. just moaning and whispering and like creepy synths and it's so omnipresent that when it stops and you are trapped in silence with a character and something's about to happen but it builds suspense as much as music does because there is always sound i was like oh, oh yeah that's pretty cool another movie that 12. does that another movie that does that james wan's masterpiece dead silence <laughs> oh my god chris <laughs> which one is this i never heard of it it's the one with the puppets oh god yeah. damn it beware yeah. the stare of mary shaw she had no children <laughs> only dolls Oh, stop. But isn't that Annabelle? Freaking me out. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it is, Steve. It actually kind of is. It, I'm just kidding. It's not, but it is. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know what Dead Silence is. Like. No, that, that actually made a mark on me. I saw Dead Silence in the theater, and that's the thing, because they have ambient mm. sound. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very low-key, and then it stops. Yeah. And you're like, mm. oh, shit. Yeah, jokes aside, it's a really effective Mike tool. Mike and I, and, I, I, yeah. I bought um, the Screen Factory Blu-ray of Legend of Hell House to watch with Mike, and I, I had a great experience with it, and we had a lot of talks about how that was yes. a really formative experience for you as a moviegoer, yes, but I also know that you're very reluctant to watch anything that might remotely invoke like secondhand trauma. I retain right? my sensitivities. Uh, but but you did watch us with me, which I, I was did, very grateful and I loved for. It. Yeah. It's not about what scares me. It's not a, being scared is not the primary motivator in me avoiding movies, horror or drama or anything. It's, it goes beyond just being scared, and I do enjoy being scared. I enjoyed us. I liked the first ABCs of Death, which was a more recent instance of me watching a horror movie while blasted out of my mind and be like hey this is also pretty fun and it reminded me and I've been watching more horror movies since then too but I would definitely be on the freaking ABCs of death I would place Legend of Hell House at the top of my list because that was when it started so on the ABCs of death Legend of Hell House and don't be afraid of the dark scale (laughs) that's a broken scale what are we measuring I just had to put those three movies together (laughs) did you though (laughs) 
All right, so here we are, Mike. Yeah, so so Stephen, you picked this show. I did via long distance correspondence mm-hmm. last time. What made you decide to watch this one? This is a movie I've heard about a lot over the years, um, but most recently, uh, my dear friend and colleague, uh, Pam Conrad, she and I love to talk movies. She seems to know everything, name a name a B-list TV actress, and she can tell you everything that this person has been in over the years. She references this movie all the time because she knows I like horror, and she will... But uh, When I say this movie, I mean the original 1973, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. It's a movie I think I've heard my parents talk about, many adults about our parents' age, people in their mid-50s, and it terrorized the hell out of them. Um, so I took it upon myself to watch the original recently and then discovered that the remake was on Netflix. And I was curious to see what that would look like. Hmm. So here we are now, having spent an hour and 40 minutes of our lives watching that thing. The, the tone. The tone. Oh, well, <laughs> it's, it's appropriate. I'm not giving away my review at all. <laughs> So, in preparation for this, I watched the the original Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and it's a pretty thin movie. Uh, the original is about a couple who uh, moves in, a middle-aged couple. There's no kid. There's a kid in the remake. Um, Sally, and who cares what the husband's name is, they move into Sally's grandmother's Victorian mansion, and there's this uh, grate in the floor in one of the rooms that is bolted shut, and there are voices coming from it. Sally, uh, they're calling to Sally. She ends up kind of being driven sort of mad by it. She unscrews the bolts, opens the gate, and all hell breaks loose. There are three little uh, furry, raisin-headed demons that are about the size of uh, a critter or a crite from the Critters franchise or maybe a ghoulie. A ghoulie or a gremlin even. Um, And they look sort of like the the gremlin from the Twilight Zone episode, Nightmare at 10,000 Feet. And they... They're interested in scaring her first and foremost. They want to freak the fuck out of her, terrorize her. But because she opened the gate and allowed them to come into the world, she has to become one of them. At least that's their mission. They they want to bring her down and turn her her into a demon. And that's the whole movie. There's no subtext. You never learn where these things come from, what they are, why they behave the way they do. And eventually, um, you know, spoiler for a movie that's been around for, you know, 40 years or so, uh, Sally becomes one of them at the end of the film. And that's it. It's very thin, but but it's a great thriller. It was really fun. Great set design, well directed. Even the goofy creatures I found to be kind of creepy the way they're shot. And I was so curious to see what would you do with a remake of that? Because you'd have to have more well developed characters. You'd probably, you know, would we believe that an adult? Well, yeah, you'd think. Uh, would we believe that an adult could conceivably be terrorized by this kind of childish fantasy? Um, so you'd probably have to have a kid in there, and sure enough, we get a, a kid named Sally in this so, in this movie. So there were only three little, uh, just three ghouls in trio. the original. Yeah, and th- these were puppets or what? They are um, kind of like um, some of the more effective scenes in Child's Play. I think they're actors who are uh, like kid actors wearing these suits, and then they built big sets or used a lot of like forced perspective to good effect to make it look like they're actually tiny little things running around, like little like like one foot tall beasts. Yeah, that's fun. No, I just I always it's cute. Any special effects, however they look. I I will always enjoy if there's a story behind it, even mm-hmm. if it's terrible. And often when they're terrible, there's still a great story behind it. But uh, that's that sounds adorable. It's cute. This one was adorable. 
I thought there were adorable yeah, parts. We will talk movie. about that. We'll talk about it. So, so what we have here is um, Guillermo del Toro, like my my friend uh, Pam, and many other adults that I've mentioned, I've spoken to, who were terrorized by the original. He apparently saw this movie a lot as a kid when he was living in Mexico, and he and his siblings would wander around in the basement and spook each other by saying, we want you, Sally, we want you, Mm. like the creatures in the movie. (laughs) And eventually he had the opportunity to produce a remake of this thing that he loved as a child. He had the chance to kind of give it new life and tell the story again, whatever, you know, or lack of story, I guess, to a new generation. I, I I used to have an issue. I still sometimes do have an issue with the mindset of oh I just I love this movie so much and I just so I wanted to do it again but worse is basically but it, there are instances like this one where it feels a lot more personal. I mean it, Del Toro is just so utterly without irony, which is something I really appreciate about him. And so like his love is really genuine. But also it's a movie that was well. I mean I I don't think I'd ever really heard of it until. Three days ago, uh, the remake of the original <laughs> when you got the call. Yeah, so it's in, you know with weird old little movies, even if it's not ultimately successful, and I don't think this one was. I think we yeah, have weird old little movies. That's worth the remake potentially if you give a shit, which that, he did. That's interesting because you know as someone who's like somewhat an aspiring filmmaker, even though I don't you know really make a lot of progress on that front too often. Um, I don't know if I would want to remake any of the movies that are beloved to me. I don't think I would either. I, I, I don't. I mean, like, I love Jaws, but I don't... I'm not, like, a CGI shark and a Hemsworth as Brody. Like, that's that's what we would get. <laughs> and any... I don't... Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. This is... Okay. I, in, having seen the original, I think it is... Again, I normally don't think remakes are... I, I can think of... I can't think of any off the top of my head, though. I'm sure I could if I thought about it. That are justified. This one makes sense because it is a very thin movie mm. that I can see leaving a very deep impression on a child who would watch it as an adult and wonder, why isn't this scary to me anymore? <laughs> Maybe I should try and redo that. And there's so little plot. There's so little character development in it um, that it makes sense to take an IP like that and, and expand upon it and turn it into something modern and, and potentially more frightening um, to try and scare... Uh, kids of of this generation or whatever generation was you know eight or nine years old in 2010 with this with this concept and i think the movie does that successfully for the most part it's it's a it's it's a valiant attempt i'll say i I, yes and no i mean there's there's a lot of stuff it does right a lot but in this specific instance i i thought it didn't do anything particularly I mean, there was just kind of nothing there across the board, but with it being set in contemporary times, like there were moments where I would look at costumes, I just especially the the very the the turtleneck, a lot that, of turtleneck action. In this yeah, movie. which of course made me think of Roddy McDowell and Hell House. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think that was deliberate. Um, but it, it it almost looked kind of seventies ish, which is like the perfect decade for horror, as we all know, because everyone just looked miserable and ugly, and so none of the spirits could be put to rest because no one was happy in life, and that's the vibe I get whenever <laughs> I watch a seventies horror movie, um, like Hell House. But it just felt, in regards to that, like kind of empty. It was hermetically sealed, but not in a way that like built pressure or suspense or much in the way of like a sense of place. It was just kind of vacant. And I kind of wish it had just been straight up set in the seventies again. I mean, they didn't do anything else with it. Yeah, it, <laughs> would have well, been fun. Before I, I, I think I should 
one of us should state what what's going on in this remake what who's yeah. in it what it's about but i will say like one thing i was like sorely lacking in this film was any i feel like it could have could have benefited from a sense of either camp or a period setting and really leaning into yeah. that and leaning into yeah. the feel because like it has so much of the DNA of like Hell House is the perfect example <laughs> of uh, and no Mike that's that's like probably your favorite horror movie right it's, it's it a movie that's very special it's my to favorite you. haunted house movie I can't put it above like Alien or Jaws but like I love the Legend of Hell House didn't care for the book love the movie but that's not what we're talking it about it kind of reminded me and this may just be power of suggestion because I saw. Guillermo del Toro's name at the beginning of the movie. Um, it reminded me a bit of Crimson Peak. It yeah. did. It did. And Crimson Peak. This uh, is a better movie. Spoiler alert. Oh, oh. Crimson Peak. I'm, oh, whoa. Are we going to fight? I, I disagree. Did, I did not care for Crimson Peak, but I don't know if this would be better. I It didn't annoy me as much, but Crimson Peak really did swing for the fences, technically, which this movie, this movie looked good. It looked really good, but I, I did not like Crimson Peak, but it's, it's like half a notch above this one. This one just felt so cheap. Yeah. Even, you know. Yeah. Well, we watch a lot of Netflix movies. Yeah. <laughs> it does, it's not cheap by Netflix movie standards. In fact, yeah, I was... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I was impressed. Yeah, this is um, not American Poltergeist, too. I mean, because we have a you know A-list producer in Del Toro, who yeah. also, I guess, co-wrote the screenplay. It was on apparently on set a lot for this. This was okay. like kind of a passion project. I think it might yeah. have been like a, a Spielberg-Toby Hooper scenario it, going it, on Yeah, here. it feels like he was a hands-on... Yeah. It feels like he was a hands-on producer because mm. it has so many hallmarks of other del toro movies yeah for, for good or ill you know, most yeah. of them good though most for of them are good Ill. i would like to quickly retract my answer i said it it felt cheap and i'm realizing now based you know it didn't it, it felt empty and i briefly registered that as cheap well, but it's a very lush looking movie and that's looking movie with thing. like so little uh humanity yeah so that's heart. that's the one that's well, we'll, the one we'll get to that but i i didn't think it looked um good enough to be like a major release movie yeah. though yeah. are Not we quite. are we like okay i had this thought too because mike mm. thought this came out really recently and he was like did this just go straight to vod like, i was like <laughs> no this is from 2010 yeah it came out in theaters but i understand oh, what? what he meant it did yeah it yeah. came out in theaters yeah i was as surprised as you this are. is a theatrical release and never heard of it the before. thing is nope. i think we've been uh i mean i hadn't either <laughs> or i had but i thought like what a generic title who gives a fuck um <laughs> I think we've become kind of... I don't know if spoiled is the right word. Um, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> because so much stuff goes straight to VOD, and like I don't have a sense anymore of like how would this play on a big screen? Because most mm. movies I see now just don't, unless it's at a festival. And yeah. there's like this whole other new genre of like b- movies that are, are big for VOD releases, which means mm. they would be like mid-budget genre movies in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, like, that almost doesn't exist anymore. We right. have movies like Crawl that pop up every now and again. Yeah. Quentin but, Tarantino's favorite film of 2019. It's true. You, yeah, it's true. I was... I know. I, I, I had a reaction to that. <laughs> I, won't, I haven't seen it. I won't hold that against it. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right, so what's this movie about? So I, I mentioned what the what the original is about. It's very simple. In this movie, Sally's a young girl. Yeah. Well, uh, she's she's a... Um, her parents are divorced. She is moving to stay with her father, a very, very dashing guy, Pierce, mm. and her stepmother, a very vacant Katie Holmes. They're not married <laughs> yet. They're not married yet. I think she's still referred you to do, as her stepmother. Right? Initially, you are presented like it's like, oh, it's clearly a mother and a father and a daughter. And you, you only learn 
that's several minutes into the movie that she is not Katie Holmes's biological daughter in a really excellent line that we will get to in a moment. But yeah, so they yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're going to move into. Uh, I don't. I don't really know if the movie explains it. Or maybe I was kind of checked out. They are they're moving into Katie Holmes' like grandmother's estate. Right? I don't know. I don't think there's a blood relation there. There um, is because the um, the daughter finds a little like hummingbird brooch that in the house that belonged to Katie Holmes when she was younger. I don't huh. remember that. Okay, well, I mean, that, I believe that, that kind of eluded me, but the. And if it's there, I think it's kind of irrelevant to the plot. Apparently, because even I'm not sure. <laughs> but but what we do get is that he, Guy Pierce, is an architect, and Katie Holmes is an interior designer, and they're in love, and they are mm-hmm. trying to rehabilitate. Yeah, this who old better house. to rehab? And a they, house? they roll around on the bed, giggling and laughing the way that like couples played by actors and actresses without much chemistry do the in, way- in movies. <laughs> it's yeah, which is the closest. There's no laughter in the movie except for that scene. It's, it's the true. way that touches me and my lonely heart when I'm watching this movie by myself at 3 (laughs) a.m. These people are doing such a good impression of happiness. Oh, and poor Sally, you know, her room connected by a by a by a vent. Yeah. And she can hear them not fucking, thank God. That Um, that scene could have been more powerful. Like I the the actress did we ever find out the name of the actress? Of the, 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 the kid actor. I almost said cat actor. Well, now she's like 30. I didn't know this movie came out yeah, in 2010. John, that's, I, I, I really meant to look that up because she was far and away the best human element of the movie. And that's kind of not meant to be damned. Not a lot of pay. competition no, here. No, but she, she is excellent. Yes. She, the, the actress who plays uh, the daughter. Uh, Sally. The, yes, I know. The, 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 the central character in the movie. It's always a risk putting a kid in like the heart of your your movie especially horror and this one kind of paid off like she is a really superb was a superb young actress well the part is written really well too she's really yeah. self-aware mm. and we learn we learn a lot very quickly in little tiny bursts because of things that she says yeah all of the adult character exposition stuff is like fucking garbage they feel like they're from a different script. um but like the little girl i mean the, like there's a great line oh so the hummingbird brooch where this comes in that's where like one of our i think mike and i both like one of our favorite lines yeah. came in where um katie holmes says like oh yeah my my mother gave that to me and then sally responds my mother gave me away yeah no 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 what she says is um my mom uh, oh God! What was my mom gave me away to my dad or something you like know, that? See this? Oh God! We love this line, and now we're totally blanking on it. This is humiliating. that's the gist of it, though. And it's like really, it's it's like delivered in a way that's like kind of shocking. Like, whoa, this kid is super self aware, and and we learn so much about her disposition just in that one line. So we have a little girl who doesn't trust either of the adults that are taking care of her. She's in a creepy old house, and she's hearing whispers coming from the vents that seem to be calling her name. Um, in a inviting her way. in, yeah, and yeah, yeah, inviting way, and she's not she, creeped out. She's curious, and I like that too. Like, I don't want to. There's nothing fun for me about watching a kid just sit around and be terrified of where they live. She wants to find out who are these voices. They want me to come and play. What's going on here? It's very. Uh, I'm invoking poltergeist again, but uh, there was, there's a little bit of a, a poltergeist thing here too, in the way the kid is like not terrified by the voices, but just like curious they feel sort of welcomed by them well and as we learn in the the prologue of the movie which i don't think we got into in the prologue of the movie uh they you know they clearly are shown to have made a habit of abducting children and so that made those initial parts creepier because i wondered 
are these creatures, like, how far are they going to manipulate this girl? Like, is it going to be like, where are your friends? They didn't sound like that. But, you know, I just, and it didn't really go anywhere with that, but that was an initial um, interesting element at first because I wondered how much of this was going to be, like, psychological, almost like Spielbergian. I did, I, the movie didn't really have that vibe, but it felt like that kind of plot thing. But it didn't really take off. It didn't. Like, no, so many things in this movie so many take things. off. Do we want to talk about the prologue at all? The prologue drew me in. I liked it. I did. The prologue is a it, it's a period piece. Mm. <laughs> I, it, it takes place at indeterminate. They might establish the later olden on times. When it takes place. The yeah, olden times. It doesn't matter. Horse and a buggy. horse, yeah, horse-drawn classic, carriage zooms by. Classic yeah. gothic horror. Mm-hmm. Like it's the whatever time period you would like get your candelabra and like walk down the <laughs> yeah. stairs and mm-hmm. uh, a guy just like. Captures he like trick he he assaults his maid he, and he takes out cuts out her teeth. He doesn't and kills assault. Her. He doesn't just assault his maid. He he lures her down the basement stairs to his like wonderfully creepy like basement set that we'll get into in the flimsiest and, plan ever. Yeah, as like, I pointed out when we were watching because like she's <laughs> creeping down and he's kind of like lurking in the shadows and like looks like something's kind of off with him. We yeah. find out what that is later, and it turns out he's got a little piece of string tied across one of the <laughs> like steps, a trip wire, and it's not even that high up the stairs. <laughs> so like for this plan to work for him to abduct his maid, she has to not see the string, trip on the string, and not just break the string and fall but also be knocked out by the fall and it all works perfectly <laughs> flawlessly and he knocks her fucking teeth out with a chisel and it's yeah. really nasty and it's it's quick and done i thought we were gonna have to watch an extended sequence of that but it is really horrifying because the actress who plays the maid gives a really solid effective scream considering the circumstances and it, it is the close- not an adr scream no. like Holmes. no oh god that was humiliating i just want to say really quick we can i can objectively prove that that trip wire trap was bad because I bet there was at least one take of the movie that they did where she did accidentally just step on the wire and break it and they had to set it up again. <laughs> and so that more than anything proves it was a stupid plan. But it did work. Uh, or did or, it? I and mean, his teeth are missing too and it mm-hmm. turns out... You know, He's trying to barter teeth yeah. with the little imps that live in the grate yeah. because I guess they stole his ch- his son from him. Yeah. He wants He's to give like, it back. Give me back my son. Which, and it was pretty creepy. Like that, The beginning is good, as you said. Yeah, but yeah. it also puts this thing hanging over the entire movie where you're like, what about that guy and his son and <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have yeah that's it I mean it's like he died they're dead never, it, never yeah. really addressed again I want to no go closure. back to the original because nope, that's a great point Chris this movie sets you up for like oh we're probably in for the bleakest of endings the original like the entire plot is Sally here's the voices the creatures she lets the creatures out they come and torture her they say you have to become one of us and then she does and that's the end of the movie <laughs> like there's no redemption there's no real resolution she just be- gets sucked down to the hole and becomes a, a little raisin faced hairy creature like which the rest is, of them which is cool because I, I bleak as fuck it is bleak but I want to when it comes to horror movies I want to trust them as little as possible I don't want to feel like I know who's going to make it out alive in most cases yeah, I but, think that's yeah. an improvement to just have a, such a simple concept and it just ends like, oh, and yep. they get you. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it's efficient. It's coldly efficient and it doesn't, you know, piss around. And that's kind of cool. Good, Some good horror does that. Where, some. Like, like um, I don't really like the final girl trope. Sometimes I think it's better if everybody yeah. dies because mm. it's it's kind of, you know, if a movie has enough like political or social subtext, like... 
kind of reflective of reality. Like life is chaos, and like sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes that happens for no reason. Um, sometimes you've done everything you can possibly do to escape it, and you still die. I mean, That's why I like sometimes the sometimes you know the canker man comes for you <laughs> when you least expect it. The the ending of No Country for Old Men in comparison to the third act of Magnolia. It's like the two farthest possible. Wait, 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 Mike. Back. We we can't talk about real movies in the same breath as Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. <laughs> this is this is this is a real movie. It's a poorly done movie, but like the 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 money is there, if nothing else, and they they bought their way into being real. Yeah, although I'm not quite <laughs> It's also not offensive enough to be off the real list. This I, is the Pete Buddha judge of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, uh, that's it. We're done. All right. That's all Signing off <laughs> for every horror say. movie on Netflix. Uh, I, I'm more impressed now that I know this movie was made 10 years ago. <laughs> A uh, little. That it... That it First of all, it explains the CGI. Um, Whoa! Did you have a problem with the CGI? Because oh, I man. loved it. Are I you thought it was kidding. A, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. We did watch it on like a fairly old TV. Yeah, it probably would have looked in 1080i. No, 720p. I plugged my laptop in his parents' TV. <laughs> it's and a hack. I th- I I thought it was. I thought the effects were very charming. Charming I it really is looked the word. Like it was yeah. like CGI the creatures, which I guess we can explain because they're there very early on. But like, I thought it, they were shot well like there are a couple of scenes where they're like right up and close but it looks better than some of the shit in the Lord of the Rings movies honestly there's not um, um, I, I feel like for me it wasn't really how good they looked versus just the general character they had personality there's a moment where like they come swarming out of the walls and there's like there's a leader one I guess I don't know but there's like a big one and like you see this like close up and there's a bunch of them and he like puts his weird little paw on this other one and like holds it back and like makes it like face at it and I actually said out loud and I was like oh they have familial bonding and I was happy to see that it's this one weird little moment and they're adorable they are so I love that cute. you called it a paw it was it is a paw <laughs> <laughs> I they, they looked Bad. I'm but glad they were you cute. guys liked it. They made me happy to look at them. I could. I mean, I liked them. I, I, I like the creatures. I don't <laughs> think I like this movie. No, 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 no. But but they were they were pretty good. And the movie could have been infinitely better if they had focused more on on the the, the critters. The creatures, the critters the did nothing for me, and it was like they weren't scary. This, yeah. They weren't scary. No. I don't know. I I don't know why I just didn't have any interest in them. Even but, when they were just going like full on tiny ash and just like brutalizing the groundskeeper with yeah, tools, that was. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like... I don't know. It was just too much, and it was just all 100% CGI. Yep. And I don't know. The, the idea of, like, three things that I could keep track of done with practical effects... And you know what? I'm not a purist about practical effects. I love James Cameron. Give me that Avatar shit. Give me that CGI <laughs> shit. I'm okay with that. But... <laughs> I don't know. I just we found, know you, Chris. I just found them really uninteresting, and we just see way too many of them. And you know what? All right, look, this might be a good How time. How many is too many? More than three? <laughs> There's dozens, if not hundreds, in this movie. There are there are a lot of them, and they didn't have enough personality. Like I wanted there to be like a fat one, yeah, and like a dumb one yeah. that would like run into things, and like yeah. a like a sexy slut one, like in Gremlins too, kind of and like a spider yeah. one, one yes. that's like electricity compared like, to Gremlins. Yeah, we're just doing Gremlins too with this. Yeah, but something like that, you jest. But I do, yeah, I, I and like think, a really smart one in a tweed jacket with glasses. Yeah, <laughs> this this movie, I, I been, would be okay with that. 
This would have been so much more enjoyable if they had if they'd been more like gremlins. Mm. Wait, this would have been so much more enjoyable if like the screen ripped open and Hulk Hogan got up from his seat <laughs> and complained to the projectionist. <sighs> It was Gremlins 2. Yeah, I figured it was. It's like you keep <laughs> seen going Gremlins back too. to the well of Gremlins 2. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, yeah, bad. Check it out. You know movie I've actually this, never seen it. You know what this did remind me of, though? Hmm. This is going to take you back. Mouse Hunt. Oh, my God. <laughs> you ever see the movie yeah, Mouse Hunt? This was no. like a, this was I, re- like, I remember it existing. It, it, it was. This was, was a less... of mouse movies. It was, there was, so, like, what? Yeah. There was Stuart Little. This was the 90s. It was Mouse Hunt. Yep. And then there was Ratatouille. The year was 1997. <laughs> that was the trilogy, This right? was the peak of the, like, your hero is a mouse <laughs> film. We had Stuart Little. We had Stuart Little 2. We had Mouse Hunt. In Mouse Hunt, we have Nathan Lane and Lee That's Evans. Yeah. yeah. The mouse was the antagonist in Mouse Hunt, though. No. Wasn't he, it? He got one over on the on Nathan Lane and his, his buddy every time. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to watch Wait, it again. Were, oh, As a child, were they bad guys, or were they just trying to, like, live in the fucking house as a I, child you don't want to see the mouse get murdered well, yeah i don't want to see it all the way no 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 that. well as a child i don't think you want to see any kind of murder but it was, I just, it was the same story you got these two guys and they are rehabilitating a mansion that looks just like this one <laughs> and there's these little there's this little cgi mouse actually it might not be even be a cgi mouse is a cgi mouse in mouse hunt i, I haven't know. seen it i haven't either I clearly know nothing about the plot of that. Problem. I don't know. But they have a little mouse that's just raising hell all around. That sounds cute. And and the climax really reminded me of this movie. We're not going to get too much into the climax, but like where they have the like potential investors dinner and they're bringing in they're like, "Ah, oh, look at our new mansion. Would you like to be a business partner?" And the mouse is raising hell the whole time. Straight out of Mouse Hunt. <laughs> Straight out of Mouse Hunt. That's I was, that was really worried in that scene. Where they 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 have the big party. I was really worried about whether or not they patched up the hole that Guy Pierce broke through to get to the big yeah. Did door. we ever figure that out? It looks like they rehabbed it and they put a little yeah. light over it. But I was like, oh my god, they cannot have guessed. This house is not guest ready. This is not ready for company. They have this big gaping hole, like right between the the bi- under the bifurcated staircase. <laughs> the bifurcated staircase, <laughs> the, 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 as the the trope of every. Uh, haunted house movie apparently according to mike haunted house movies need a bifurcated staircase because it provides wide field of vision multiple levels and lines of sight and usually there's a big scary stained glass window in between them too as there was in this movie and in crimson peak and in fright just, night yeah. it's just good set this may be so... the set from crimson peak i did look, yeah <laughs> i thought it looked like the house from the hill house series it did uh, the exterior anyway. i was trying to I, I was on my phone trying to figure out where they they filmed the exteriors of the house because and i can't figure listen it out. if you're telling me this movie was 2010 no what don't don't not be afraid of the dark or whatever the hell this movie is <laughs> I, don't be afraid of the dark it's an unwieldy title <laughs> don't not be it's, afraid. it's 2010 right that's what yeah. you're saying yeah well crimson peak was 2015 mm-hmm. so guillermo del toro is a bad producer if he did not <laughs> reuse that foyer it was it was different. It, it looked <laughs> yeah, similar. The the Crimson Peak house, which I think was just called Crimson Peak, yes. whatever. The Crimson Peak house, ha- yeah. The, the Crimson Peak house uh, was like five stories taller, but it did still. I, I seem to remember it being anyway. And there was yeah. a bunch of there was always like some shit floating around in the air. But I do see some some similarities. Yeah. Well, it's just that whole gothic thing. Yeah. And, which is you know Guillermo del Toro saying he would be here saying that we shouldn't be reviewing this because it's not a horror movie. He'd be like, is a gothic. <laughs> 
gothic family drama. It's a gothic fairy tale. <laughs> gothic fairy tale. Definitely, it's always drama. a fairy tale with Del Toro. Well, it is, and that's one of the things that kind of you can see his fingerprints on this movie because it feels like a fairy tale. Yes, you got a little it does. kid. There's it's a fairy ring in it, <laughs> like and, in, the, yeah, in the garden. That's right. Here's my problem with the movie. This Wait, movie, you only have one problem have, with the movie. I have several problems with the movie. I just want to be clear about this. <laughs> but um, I think this movie would be horrifying and a favorite movie for someone who was like 10 or 11 years old like or the first 9 one. years old. Yeah. I think that w- was possibly the intent. But it's R-rated. It's so R-rated. I mean, it's but you know what? Rated I, said to, I said to Mike Watchins, I would show my 8-year-old this movie. Yeah. Why guess, was it rated R? I mean, there's one somewhat. We see we there's several scenes imply that teeth are knocked yeah. out. That's pretty brutal, even if you don't see it. We see an eyeball get ripped out by one of the krites, but not as graphically and I'm keep as I would have liked. That's and or ghoulies, krites and or ghoulies. But it wasn't as I don't know. It seems like they they should have just cut it down to PG thirteen because like it wasn't cool looking enough to deserve an R right. and like yeah. a PG thirteen wouldn't it made it a little well, bit. It's a more box expensive. office thing. Yeah, an R rating is gonna is going to yield, you know, theoretically bigger box They office. shot themselves in the foot. Actually, I think PG-13 is the sweet spot for box office. It definitely it? was in 2010. In I 2010, think G- R, it was big to get an R rating. It, yeah. it wasn't... It, it was starting then, because 300 kind of really started moving the needle. But it wasn't... I, I don't know. I, I If you go to see this movie because it's rated R, you are going to be extremely disappointed. Oh, yes, man. Yeah, yeah. I hope you brought your kids. This is a this is a PG movie that happens to have two or three sequences of heinous violence. This is a this is a like I there's not even any swearing. swearing. I am am shocked that this movie was not based on a Roald Dahl novel. Badly, but it could have been a great Roald Dahl novel in addition (laughs) to being a great movie. And yeah, like that, Steve, I'm glad you said so. And uh, you mentioned the party scene earlier. There are so many moments, particularly that scene where it could have become that. And for half a second, I thought it might, but it never did. The adults but, yeah. pull back their human skin masks <gasps> and they're all krites. I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking that the, the krites would start murdering the party goers. Like, I wanted the entire back half of this oh movie to be a party scene where those adults, one of whom was Alan Dale, who's a very um, easy to spot TV actor. He's in Lost. He's He's been on like everything. Has he been in SVU? Probably. He has like he's got a lot. Yeah, and he's he's great. But he showed up, and as soon as I saw him, I thought, okay, that character has to maybe be, if not important to the plot, then at least die a cool death or something. But he doesn't. He has like five lines, none of which are of any importance whatsoever. I don't even remember his relationship to the. I remember his last name was Jacoby. Oh yeah, yeah. Mr. Jacoby. Mr. Jacoby. And then like, it's like, he's gone. He's gone two scenes later. And I was so annoyed because the party scene was ramping up and I thought like, this is going to be great. And then there's a crate running around under the table and Sally knows it's there and there's almost comedy too. The closest again, there, yeah. there there are no jokes and one instance of laughter. In and this that's, movie. that was actually the only part where I actually started to get invested in what was happening. Me too. And little Sally at that point actually has an objective which she didn't have for the rest of the movie. Yeah, she's like, oh, actually, no one believes me about these fucking things. I want to prove it to everybody. I want to get a f- picture with these fucking things, or I want to tear one of their arms off and show it to somebody <sighs> and no because yeah. no one believes her yeah and so then it's like okay good get your evidence but of course nobody believes her her, her own father doesn't even know what pills she's taking 
Yeah, <laughs> it's like what is like what medications are she? He's like Adderall, I think. I think. Uh, yeah, Adderall, I think. And it, then Steve, you're like, you think in the court, and that's a fair point. Did this movie resonate with either of you thematically? What no. do you think it was trying to go no. for? No, no, no it's, I, there's it's not nothing. going for anything. There probably wasn't even. Well, it's. I mean, the, the closest the movie could come to even beginning to claim that it had a theme was Katie Holmes surrogate mother wants to form a connection with this kid she doesn't though the movie yeah seems to present well i mean i i had the yeah. same thought it's we'll talk about that in the spoiler kind of why i felt yeah, like it felt a little bit rolled dull adjacent to me in that like the adults cannot be trusted they are not going to become better people they're not going to save the day it seems like they're all on a lot of valium it's just they, they <laughs> yeah. don't yeah, yeah. i thought maybe this movie might resonate with someone who didn't have as happy a childhood as i had it seemed like there was kind of a theme of like okay so so this little girl's being neglected there's mm-hmm. these other four i was trying to i thought that the little crites as you want to call them were a metaphor of some sort <laughs> i love that we're doing that they could have they could have been and, I couldn't put my finger on it, and that was frustrating. I thought, well, maybe this just isn't a movie that speaks to my own experience where I can unravel that metaphor. No, it's not. It's not. It's not you, man. It's the movie. It's <laughs> the movie. I, the movie is like there's so many like open doors in this movie that lead nowhere. There's so many yeah. times I thought like, oh wow, we're gonna get into some shit, and even the actors cannot muster the energy to explore anything deeper than what's no, happening on the surface. We all know Guy Pierce is awesome. Oh, and of Guy Pierce, one even, of my first celebrity crushes. Yeah, good choice. Great actor. Yeah. Terrible in this movie. Yes, he's Lifeless. in this movie he is like the Netflix version of Mark Wahlberg. He's ah! uh, <laughs> I did, thank you. I said that. I said, does he look like Mark Wahlberg? And he, he does a little bit. He's a good-looking guy and a great actor. But yes, like he 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 was bad in this the way that most of the cast is bad in the Star Wars prequels where you can see just a lack of direction which whether or not it was a Toby Hooper Spielberg thing is interesting to me because um even if Del Toro was taking an act I'm not saying like maybe he was maybe he wasn't but a problem I've had with his other movies is that I do feel like his actors aren't getting enough direct with Crimson Peak I didn't care for it but just em- emotively they everyone felt flat it yeah. yeah and it's I've I didn't have the same problem with Pan's Labyrinth or Shape of Water I think I don't like the movie but the acting is strong Crimson Peak felt like the actors were given no direction. Del yeah. Toro was like, "All right, set looks great. I'm out. Mm-hmm. First yeah. AD, you take it from here." And that's that's on a much smaller scale. That's exactly how I felt about this movie. Yes. Although Crimson Peak didn't have adorable tiny little monsters, I that, love them. They I just were want, so good. I want like a dozen of them just to like cover me like a blanket while I'm sleeping. Yeah, like I, <laughs> they're so cute. I like. I guess it. It's like they have like the hunchback shape. I think the regardless of well, the CGI, kind like of cat like too. They though. are, and I know you're a cat person. No one of you liked them too. Yeah, not so, not a like New Yorker short story cat person. Cat person. But oh, I like I cats. Hope not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot that word. The the phrase means something. <laughs> uh, so this oh. is actually a directorial debut for the actual director. That doesn't surprise. He's me. apparently a comic book writer. And yes. Artist. What has he done though? Um, like anything noteworthy? Um, he's written and illustrated for comic books that I've never heard of, including Neil Gaiman's Only the End of the World Again. Um, that's all I got for you. But There's only a movie he's made. I guess I he I guess he made a short, and he sent it to Guillermo del Toro looking for guidance and feedback. This is from hmm. Wikipedia. And then uh, Guillermo said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you come direct this Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That explains. I'd love to have a call like that. Yeah. 
for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> we got. I some... could have directed the fuck out of. Oh, this you movie. could have. Yeah. Do you think that? Yeah. We, I, I think a, another pass of the script hopefully would have happened too. Yeah, this felt very first but... draft. I mean, I will say, like, I, you know. Maybe we should. We've been getting pretty deep in the weeds. Maybe yeah. we should review it, take a little break, and come back and talk a little more. That seems think? like a good idea. That sounds good to me. I won't be able to criticize this movie very much more without getting into the spoilers. So, all right. Well, Stephen, you picked the movie. You have the historical perspective with the 1973 version. I do. What do you think? Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? I would definitely give it a cue it. I enjoyed this movie. I think part of it was uh, the the great company I had watching it. If I'd watched this alone, I don't think I would have enjoyed it quite as much. But it's it's, it's a good looking movie. I don't like Del Toro's storytelling style, but I like the look of his movies. And this movie has that in spades from from moment one. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like his entire creative team worked on this movie and they just had a different director. Uh, in, in place behind the camera like it looks good there's a lot of cool sort of fairy tale stuff going on there's the whole thing with the secret basement which I found really alluring I thought the creatures were adorable and really well rendered and well used if there weren't too many of them at the end um, it's a it's it, it's a decent ghost story it's ultimately disappointing but I think it's kind of like a fun failure to watch I was I was never bored um Unless it was just Katie Holmes and Guy Pierce on screen together, <laughs> then I tuned out. I'd, I'd give it a cue. It, you know, if you if you if you're looking for um, a, a classic sort of gothic Victorian mansion haunted house movie with little tiny critters running around and talking through the vents, this might be the movie for you. If you're specifically interested in the specific exact kind of movie that this is, yeah, then you should watch it. <laughs> Yes. Chris? Uh, I watched it by myself, and I was bored stiff for almost all of this movie. Did you really watch it at 3 a.m.? I watched it late. Okay. I, it wasn't 3 a.m., but it was late. Did you have a couple of the bats? I had two beers all in right. my body. Okay. Um, I'm just curious. And, I'd like to know what you're up to. And it, it just... I would like this if it had been a 30 minute episode of an anthology tv series Mm. it just stretched out i couldn't Ah. track the yeah trilogy of terror style yeah yeah i i could not like creep show two i could know yeah this (laughs) would be a great this would be a great creep show segment I, i could not track the intentions of any of these characters i couldn't figure out what they wanted i thought everyone was doing stupid shit i didn't understand why sally was was fucking with these little critters as much as she did before she decided that they were bad news bears. Um, I just had a really hard time engaging with anything. And then I, I thought it was going somewhere thematically that was interesting to me, but then it didn't. It's just a frustrating experience. I didn't like the CGI. I wasn't afraid of the critters. Um, like I said, I, I can see this movie working for someone who is a child. And so I can appreciate it on that level if someone is like del toro and is nine years old watching this on tv good for them they're probably going to have a great time with it but i don't think there's anything there for a older more distinguished uh netflix horror fan so i'm gonna say screw it i agree with all of the above and i i really do wonder if the intention wasn't to make a movie that's like sort of intentionally flawed in the way that the original was 
It's, it seems impossible, Maybe. but who knows? Because I can see this playing really well for like the eight to ten year old crowd. Yeah. Um, if they can handle eyeballs being ripped out and teeth being knocked out by a chisel. <laughs> That's the thing. It just goes a little too far where, I don't know. Pan's Labyrinth did the same thing. Del Toro's a mess. <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, are you familiar with the scale, the rating scale? Do you, do you know, know how it works? Screw it? Yeah. I do know how it works. Okay. Screw it's the bad one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the, okay, here's <laughs> no, the thing. No, view it's the bad one. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say, up is down, black is white. I'm going to say screw it, but reservations, because I feel it's important to note that this movie did do a lot of stuff right, which means that a lot of people who worked on the movie did a lot of stuff right, and that counts for something. I did, as Steve pointed out, It the house looks great. The house is really, really a character unto itself. <laughs> okay. But, um... It's not worth watching. It's fun to talk about. It's more. It's even more fun to imagine what it could have been. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Um, but I guess if the intent really was to sort of replicate that feeling of being scared of this movie as a child, I mean, or just being scared of, like, you're, yeah, the the perfect movie to replicate the terror of being a child trapped with a scary movie already exists it's called the gate starring a tiny Stephen yes Dorf. yes and that that movie drastically different from this one though it is in a lot of ways um succeeds vastly vastly more in terms of telling this kind of story and so do a lot of other movies like that that's like it's i didn't even, i can't believe i didn't think of the gate when yeah. we're watching this it's the same movie it pretty much, is. except <laughs> in the suburbs. Yeah, and way, way, way less scary and way, way, way less I like less the crites in this better, though. I don't know, man. There's some good, good stuff in the gate. There's some some pretty cool ghoulies in the yeah, gate. Uh, give, give me like a 20-second synopsis of the gate. The gate is about a couple, two boys, one of which is a tiny Stephen Dorff, trapped home alone. Over, I say trapped or staying Stephen home Dwarf, alo- you might say. Oh, that's <laughs> very good. <laughs> Stephen Dorff and his friend, um, they're, they're staying... Uh, alone over the weekend uh, their little sister is there too and I forget the specifics of it but a portal to hell opens in their backyard and a bunch of glorious claymation monsters crawl out and, <laughs> and assail them and it's like a siege horror movie where they're fighting these like mutant little Ray Harryhausen things and there's some wonderfully trippy like like he thinks his dad comes home and his dad reveals he is not his dad it's like a, almost like a hallucination oh my god of, I haven't seen great, this since I was a yeah, kid but that just came back so vividly and that, no that scene is great it replicates the like what you are scared of and the way you experience fear as a child it's a great movie this one sucks but but it's, <laughs> but it's pretty and I it could have been better it could have been decent but mm. it's not but yeah, nice looking house that's a great capsule review could have been decent but it's not <laughs> that's yeah that's the bar. Put that on the back of the DVD, fucking animal. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, guys, I think it's time to wander down those creaky old stairs to the spoiler room to sort out the rest of this film. Um, so I guess we'll Is head it to- end film? No. no Not I even so. I, th- I was very suspect of your right. use of that term. So we'll head down those stairs. And hey, listeners, uh, while we're headed down there, you know, if you want to have some fun, go online, leave us an iTunes review, or go buy some merchandise at our new semi-new web store where we have t-shirts and shit uh you can go there what's the url url is tpublic.com slash user slash amoncast very catchy cast love it or you can go to every horror movie on netflix.com we have a link there too 
and maybe troll us a little bit we haven't been yeah. trolled in a while yeah leave us a comment leave us a tweet leave us a facebook message you know what to do we love to hear from everybody so go watch don't be afraid of the dark or not the choice is yours we'll be seeing you in the spoiler room in a minute Alright, well, they weren't kidding. The third step's a bitch, and I tripped on some string, but here we are down in the spoiler room, huddled around a little space here in the corner, because Greg still hasn't fucking fixed our HVAC system down here. I don't want him to. I'm a little worried about that grate that's all rusted shut in the corner. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little creepy. Definitely don't loosen the bolts on that thing. Um, We're down here to get into the the nitty-gritty of don't be afraid of the dark and as i say that title out loud for the third time maybe it it stumbles out even more uncomfortably why is this movie called don't be afraid of the dark why was the original called don't be afraid of the dark it's it's unwieldy it has nothing to do with the movie it would make sense if the if the dark kept you safe in the movie but it's totally opposite i mean it's i feel like for the tv movie like it's just a good title well theoretically a good title you know to to, to draw you in you know like it has nothing to do with the movie but it's like oh this is a horror movie and I'm afraid of the dark but they're telling me not to be why don't so they, there's something alluring in there why don't they make a horror movie where they get you if you're in the light and you gotta be in the dark I did first of all let me say <laughs> maybe that, that's bird box sorry no it's <laughs> yeah sorry, actually that is bird box I'm distracted <laughs> We just cracked Bird Box. Oh man! Well, for yes, yeah, I just I being being down here in the I gotta say what what Jaws did for sharks, this movie did for basements, and I'm really terrified of being down here mm-hmm. right now. Look, but just imagine, Mike. I know you've never been down here before, but yeah. doesn't the spoiler room look an awful lot like the secret basement? And don't be afraid of the dark. It it's does. Kind of uncanny. Maybe I'm just projecting because we just watched that movie, but I, I certainly do see some similarities. I think yes. you're out of your mind. Other than the loose teeth on the floor, I don't really see it. Oh, those are mine. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, so let me tell you what pissed me off about the end of this movie. Do it. Long story short, um, I thought they were leading up to something with Katie Holmes because she is the not quite stepmother, but she's dating our little girl Sally's dad and Sally just doesn't like her at all and she makes a lot of progress throughout the movie kind of bonding with her she's certainly putting an effort it's a very in a very perfunctory screenplay okay it's bit then there's a scene where um she and Guy Pierce have an argument and she says something that indicates that like maybe she's incapable of having children like that her not having her own children is a sore subject for her Mm -hmm. um and so i'm like okay is this gonna show that like you know that you can be a parent (laughs) that that being a parent is about what you do you know and and that kind of thing Is, is she gonna become a good parent for sally the answer is no. She just gets jumped by the little imps and dragged into the vents, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and she doesn't. She doesn't make a choice. That was what drove me crazy because I thought, like, well, 
there's not going to be much here that's really going to grab me. It's going to be a really perfunctory. Except the crates. Well, well, They're yeah. very grabby. Yeah, but in a less literal sense, in a thematic sense of grabbing, there was no grabbing or even any light brushing. But I did still, because of that, expect that there would be a sacrifice moment where like, she proves that she can serve as the, the true mother to Sally, who we, we only hear her biological mother's voice once on the phone, and she just is, she sounds and is described in the rest of the, the movie as just very disinterested, doesn't want to be a part of her daughter's life. So Katie Holmes, you know, she she's going to give her life to save her daughter. She doesn't. She just fucks up and gets dragged into, like, imp hell or whatever it was. Yeah. I was delighted to see that when it happened, but only, <laughs> yeah. only, only because... Um, well, one, it was a cool visual, but only because, like, that character in the performance is just so fucking flat yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. I thought, like, well, we're in the third act, and I have no reason to believe to really feel anything about this person. They might as well just die. <laughs> like, I don't think the adults are, like, trustworthy. They're not going to save the girl. Might as well just kill her. Um, and it was kind of fun for me. I think I might have shouted a little bit as she got dragged into the vent. But that's really poor screenwriting. Like, yeah. I do feel like there should have been some kind of... There should have been some growth for, for Katie Holmes' character, nobody, one way or another. Nobody grew in the movie. It, it, nobody had Not even Sally. No, she had personality because she was played by the most talented performer in the movie. But yeah, nobody... There's no arc. There's no arc to anything. I hope the Kreitz would get an arc. I wanted, you know, we never did find out what they used the teeth for, and that one was I don't know. That would well, they're been. they're like um, they do give us some exposition about their whole backstory and motive. That's their sort that's of, currency yeah. for them, you know. Like they're that's getting they for money. They're, they're getting rich off of people moving into this house. I would have liked the. What cam- did they spend the teeth on? Those we could have found know. out if the camera zoomed down like the the weird tunnel, and we get to see like Crytopolis, and it's just <laughs> I wanted I wanted that I wanted just full Pixar. We they have like little tiny cars they drive around. And they got like an underground city, and I knew I was, it wasn't going to happen. But there's so much. There's this really booming text. To, sorry, let me start the, really booming tech industry in Kreitztown. Kreitzt. Um, I, like I love that we have an extended critters joke in this episode <laughs> that is completely unwarranted. I, you're the one who made me watch critters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, whatever they were, like they were never really named. In the the movie, the creatures. No. Well, yeah, I will I mean, say um, they were fairies. I think the that girl was the implication. Yeah. There's a name, um, and I don't think it was even in the movie, but maybe it was in the credits of the original. The creatures in the original were actually an inspiration for it, like a D and D creature. Yep. In the classic like '80s D and D handbook. Hmm. One thing I did like, because I always like to pull out one thing that I enjoyed in this movie. I like the one bit, the one detail where the previous owner of the house was a painter and they make a lot of fuss about that. Yeah. But he was a realist. And then the person in the library is like, you know what's odd? He was a realist his whole life, but right before he died he started painting this stuff. And it's, yeah. it's all the little That library fairies. scene was in, like... I, oh my god, the fucking <sighs> painting on the wall. Yeah, well, let's... Yeah, let, let's... We have to go there, right? I was just... Yeah, I was gonna say really quick, like, the library scene did not work for me because I didn't understand like she ended up in just like the the city exposition storage facility where like just this guy who I briefly thought was Andy Samberg would have been great uh, just talks to her like he, he works at the library and it's baffling and pointless exposition but it does have the the best aspect of the movie is whenever we see art or paintings or anything and so he's like here look at these paintings and it's like more creepy stuff because man the paintings in this movie and everything look spectacular 
yeah. the best part of this movie is when they just like ask Del Toro for his sketchbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of it. I am sure something like that happened. It that looks, was legitimately looks creepy awesome. though to see yeah. like the es- the escalating like like nightmarishness of those pictures. And yeah. the final one of just like right before he died, he painted that picture of the crate. Yeah. Where you just like see like the like it like the front parts of its features emerging from the darkness. Yeah, it looks him. awesome. Yeah. It looks like something from a really kick-ass horror comic, which is a vibe that I did feel like this movie was occasionally going for. It's probably written by the drawn by the director who actually made a comic off mm. of this. Could yep. be. Yep, yep. Steve, describe the painting on the wall of the basement that is revealed when the curtain comes down near the end. We both just went, oh, it made it really loud. And it's no, it's fucking wild. It's it, lo- it looks like um, like Arthur Rackham meets Hieronymus Bosch. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a boy hanging from a tree monster or something. Like I just have a vague impression of it in my mind it at was, this point. It's like but... this boy, like a young 19th century sort of looking child. Uh, and he's just like... Being, he's like grabbed by these like creepy looking tree limbs, and then he's like being suspended over this black pit from whence is emerging. And it's like giant part wood cut, part watercolor. Yeah. Like it's got this really otherworldly look yeah. to it. And these these crite claws crawling up from the the darkness, and he's got these huge terrified eyes. And it's just a perfect visual for what they were going for. And it's like the only time the movie sought out an effect and almost got it. Looks great. This is an audio medium, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we are definitely dancing about architecture right now. <laughs> but all that stuff with, with um, what's-her-face, Katie Holmes in the library, <laughs> yeah, again, just sets her up to make that choice and to, now that she has the information, she understands what's going on here, mm-hmm. for her to actually use that information to save the little girl, nope, she just gets fucked up, taken in the hole. Yeah, and I don't. GG. It wouldn't have been more satisfying if she had just, I don't know, done something to actively sacrifice herself. I still, I mean, I wouldn't give it a shit. And then the, at the end of the movie, Guy Pierce and Sally show up at the house, which is now like condemned, and and she drew it's Sally. For sale. I think it was yeah, for sale. Sally drew a little card that's for like, clothes. oh look, me and my mom, Katie Holmes, yeah. and they just leave the paper on Sorry the floor. Sorry, you died. And they go into the house. They open the door, and they they don't go far into the house, but they go they. They walk into the... They go into the foyer. Yeah, they go to the foyer of the Crite House, and they, they slowly <laughs> and solemnly place this, like, cute drawing on the floor and stare blankly, and then they leave. And the thing that bothered me most about that is there is no fucking way you would ever go back in that house, especially not for that. And when uh, to, to the extent that when they walked in there, I thought, like, they're going to burn the house down, and this is going to be awesome. And, of course, that didn't happen. Well, either. what fucked me up about that is... We never saw them leave the house. No, we the didn't. last scene before That's that right. is like, all right, well, that was fucked up. And then they're driving back to the house <laughs> in the next cut. Like, yeah, there, yeah, there is so not clumsy. even a single shot of them moving towards the exit of the house. It's no, just like, we never see that moment where they're like, all right, we are cleansed of this this burden. The and movie we, we can felt leave. deeply it's, bored with itself, and I can't blame it. Was it was very lazy. <laughs> or go back to the house with, you know the police and the National Guard and, like, go down to Kreitzville. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Guy Pierce is probably a person of interest, possibly a suspect. I mean, like, that... I, obviously, in the last 20 seconds of the movie, you can't dig up that plot stuff. But, like, what happened there? He like, didn't love her very much, apparently. Mm-hmm. Like, the other guy was harvesting teeth from everyone he could get his hands on to get his son back. And, yeah, we, we never found out more about that guy either. That was a way more interesting <laughs> movie. They had the be- with the beginning... Yeah, it felt like the beginning of a Bond movie where it's not really connected to anything yeah. else, which is, yeah, it was a more interesting story, though. Like, Guy Pierce just seemed 
fine with it all. Make <laughs> make Katie Holmes disappear in like the midpoint of the movie. Please do. I have as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Just remove her entirely. Mm. I guess I I was bad. It's yeah. Which is I would have vastly preferred, vastly preferred if at some point by the end of the first or second act, somewhere in there, uh, Guy Pierce and um. Katie Holmes just drive out of the movie. They just, they're going somewhere. They're barely characters anyway, so just, they leave. And whatever the conceit for why they leave and however long they're gone, where they are, where they're coming back, it doesn't matter. The point is, Sally will be home alone for a certain amount of days with the groundskeeper and the mysterious maid, the old lady maid who never did anything, and I kept thinking she would because she'd be clearly been there for a while and the groundskeeper mm-hmm. had been there for a while. They and she can't get yet. a hold of her real mom right? because she can't yep. in the movie in general. Yep. Yep. She's trying, she's trying, but mm-hmm. she has no like familial adults to interact yeah. with. So she's alone with these two people who know a lot about the house. So they're sources of exposition, they're sources for like the rules. They Perfectly explain, primed yeah. to show up like the guy in Spider-Man 3 and be like, you know what's going on behind <laughs> the vent? <laughs> Never told you this for the first hour and a half of this movie, but what scene are you talking? No idea. <laughs> I'm talking about Spider-Man Three, where 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 um, James. I know what movie you're talking right. about. James it? Franco had a vendetta against Spider-Man for all of Spider-Man Two and most of Spider-Man Three. Oh, and he just shows up. You and knew then, this was coming, Pete. Just uh, out of nowhere. And then the butler, his butler, shows up right before the climax, during the climax of Spider-Man Three, and is like, "There's one." Thing I never told you. Your father died by his own hand. He wasn't killed by the Spider-Man. And he's like, oh. And then he goes and, and teams up with Spider-Man at the end of the movie. Oh, God. And I it's like, why did why I don't this? remember this at all. Oh, no, I sort yeah. of do. I sort yeah, yeah, yeah. of do that. Uh, we're so much effort spent to discussing Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Okay, now I get it. It's yeah. a good movie. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so <laughs> you're expecting that these old, these ancient groundskeeper made they know the secrets know the secrets at least you know the one guy is like hey kid stay away from that vent Mm -hmm. you'd think he would go to guy pierce and be like hey guy pierce yeah yeah, (laughs) first order of business in your home rehab in in fairness (laughs) there is a sort of explanation for that uh because when the groundskeeper like he chases her upstairs like don't play with that and then the krites that's like right when the the krites swarm him and just start stabbing him with tools and it's great it's one of the most oh my god and one of the ghoulies rips his fucking eyeball yeah they have like screwdrivers one of them has a box cutter and that's the scene in particular where I wish like there was the fat one and the dumb one and the girl one I guess maybe I'm not comfortable it could have been fun yeah if they were like (laughs) if like they're trying to like make this a swift job but like there are a couple of them that are like sort of clumsy and like fucking it up and mm-hmm. like like oh they go to slice the eyeball but it just like they just like the yeah. blade breaks off like if halfway you, through the eyeball if you got that r rating that's where you use it and they didn't really i mean it was okay compared to the rest of it was fine but, it's an accidental yeah. r rating yeah pretty, it was yeah, like we, we don't have kind of we don't have the we were going for pg-13 we don't have the budget to recut this and we don't really care that yeah. much either way but yeah no he does say that's where i was going with that i sidetrack myself he says i didn't tell them or like i didn't tell them anything or said like he talks to them and yeah. they, they kick his ass anyway but that was the also like the closest the movie came to an interesting bit of lore because it's like all right this guy has a connection to the he knows them obviously is he's he works there his grandpa worked there the movie does nothing with it 
she, he doesn't die in that scene, and I feel like he will not die until he delivers exposition. And Katie almost finds him again, but like he doesn't tell her anything. He's like, "You've got to get her out of the house," and then she just goes to the library, and that's it. And it's just ah, that that guy. Should- I'd be like, no, I'd go Guy Pierce. I'd be like, listen, you need to get your car. Mm-hmm. We're gonna hook a hose up to the tailpipe, and we're gonna put it in this vent, and we're gonna let it run <laughs> for about ten hours. Yeah, I want. This- <laughs> Don't ask me why. <laughs> I want this movie to be more like Oculus. I want it to be like. Oculus, where it's like, all right, this is the monster. Cool. How do we kill it? And the rest of the movie is just this like prolonged war against this evil supernatural, sure. yeah, so, or just something to give these people. Is that this movie feels like the prologue to any other horror movie? Yeah, like the prologue. We're like, oh, the little kid figures out there's something wrong, and then the adults step in and take care of it in their <laughs> own way. This is just the little kid is subjected to this horror and. Uh, adults are as well and then it's over it does feel like, like the we never was, solve anything it's even weirder because the actual prologue that the movie had felt like it was from a different movie as well it's so true it's just a disaster it I, was kind of like a serious man in that way yeah i <laughs> hate nitpicking like just this. like that <laughs> what? What, what i feel like we're what? just doing an incredible amount of nitpicking and i usually we try not to do that but like there's nothing usually things it's inappropriate to nitpick a movie that makes sense on like an emotional level at least this movie has no yeah. emotional level or it tries yeah. to have one but it right. fails there's nothing there except for the details of the plot that are put in front of us and but so yeah is it really nitpicking just to like because I was nit like reverse nitpicking I was like the walls look good <laughs> I mean, I mean, the really yellow wallpaper like yeah. looked great. The, the yellow the, wallpaper. Lots of colors on the screen mm-hmm. at the same time. It was, uh, <laughs> Images you know, and sound. What a glorious day. Fills my TV. The audio was in sync for the most part. For yeah, the, the, most the, part. the credits were in English and they spelled everyone's name correctly. Yeah. I'll give it that. I don't All know. Right. <laughs> don't be afraid of the dark. What can you say? I mean, that. maybe... <laughs> Definitely don't be afraid of the dark in this movie. I feel like that is an accurate title. Like, this movie's not going to scare you. Don't be afraid of the dark. It's fine. Just <laughs> it's, go in. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <laughs> they should have retitled the movie, It's Fine. <laughs> I mean, it would it's be, I. it'd be easier to remember an equally as ominous as Don't Be Afraid of yeah. the Dark. It's fine. That's right. It's fine. But it's better than Be Afraid, I think we can yeah. safely say. I, I don't that know. That seems I, like they're I, asking a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Be Afraid might be a better movie than this. All right. Well, Chris, we'll fight <laughs> Off cast. <laughs> Take my answer off the air. I think it's finally time we figure out what the hell we're doing next week. Right? Yeah, so, okay, big the news. Wheels. Uh, I didn't really know what to put on the wheel of death for this week for, to figure out what we're going to watch for next episode. But I decided to shoot the works, upgrade the wheel. I got run on a computer. I got every movie that we haven't watched yet on Netflix loaded up onto the fucking wheel. It's a, a wheel... I can't even describe. How would you describe this wheel, Stephen? It's a busy wheel. It's a busy, very busy looking. It's a busy wheel. So, Wheel of Death 2.0 through the wonders of technology, we have hundreds of movies loaded onto it, and it's just going to assign us one uh, right now. I guess we'll we'll load this thing up here. Look at how busy that wheel is. That's insane. Here, let me take a look. So there's so much. I'm used to just the wheel that's just our names. (laughs) All right. All right, just give her a good spin. Wind her up. What do we got? Oh, 
Nails. What the <laughs> fuck is nails? I have no idea what nails is. We'll find out. Hold on. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> we should give like a brief. We should at least read the Netflix description yeah, of it. Yeah, read the yeah. Nails. See you next week, folks. Dude, there are a lot of ways that nails could have oh, gone wrong. Oh, boy. Ooh, I think I know what movie this is. And it, sound, it sounded deeply unpleasant. Good. I'm done with deeply unpleasant, as long as it's not deeply terrible. <laughs> I'm just, well, yeah, I'm glad I was here this week. Okay, nails. Uh, I'm looking up here. Oh, you mean nailed it? The the Nicole Byer cake making <laughs> show? No, this is. Um, <laughs> it's an Irish movie, and the Netflix description says: recently paralyzed in a devastating car accident, Dana begins to suspect a dark and sinister force may be lurking within her hospital room. Me. Sure, why not? Nails. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, until then, once again, find us online, buy our shit, leave a comment. You know T-Public, right? Yeah, tpublic.com slash user slash amoncast, or go to everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com, buy our shit. Send it's us- a pretty dope design, Patrick. Painted, yeah. drew it, he colored drew it, it whatever. I don't know the, what means he did. He had that, all the inspiration of the guy in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. He was just slaving away. Slaving away. It's a great design. Um, wear it. Send us pics of you wearing it, looking sexy. Yeah. Uh, buy, buy a size down. Send I us think, pics of you not wearing it. Because they run a little you know bit. What I mean. All right. Well, um, thanks again, everybody. Mike, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so Chris, much. This was great. Thanks for hosting us. I know it's been a, a very confusing couple of weeks with the uh, personnel change, but I'm glad we made it work. Yeah, the team should be all back together for nails. So, And again, uh, can't wait for it. And, and find us on social media. You know, Look for every horror movie on Netflix or Amon, E-H-M-O-N. Troll us. We might troll you back. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Steven. I'm Chris. I'm Michael. See you next time.